Hello, you're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a podcast for fans of Arkham Horror, the card game. I'm your host, Frank, and today this is another one of my first look episodes. I'm looking at the player cards of the new Mythos pack from the Path to Carcosa, A Phantom of Truth. They really are like pushing the tongue-twistery pack titles this cycle, so it's quite fun. I've been climbing this afternoon, so I'm like pleasantly achy, I have a coffee with me, and there's also, weirdly, a tree has started growing in my living room, just opposite me, so I think what I'm going to do is drape kind of, you know, coloured glass spheres on it and put other ornaments on it, because I may as well make it look nice at this time of year. Funnily enough, I actually thought this pack was coming out a week today, and fun fact, you might not know know this, but the 21st of December is my birthday. And I have a day planned with my wife of things we were going to do and stuff like that. And then I found out that the pack was coming out. So I'm really sorry to say this, but if it had come out a week later, you would have got a first look episode not done by me, but done by everyone's favourite cast presenter, Andrea. But as it is, she's still at work today. She couldn't take the time off. So you're stuck with boring old me. So sorry about that. We'll do it another pack instead. We'll build up to that. I know that's what everyone is essentially still listening to the podcast for. And the only other thing that's sort of vaguely of note while I do these sort of newsy things before I dive in, is to remember that letter I received, that rather strange letter that didn't have a, uh, it didn't say who it was from. I've not received any more like that, which is good. But while I was going through my end of year accounts, because I like to do my accounts before January, I realised that I actually knew a couple of people that could maybe help me in finding out a little bit more about it. I used to be, in another life, a researcher. And it's not, I'm not saying this as a sort of, isn't that Arkham? It, I just I did writing for various different people. I spent most of my time at the British Library looking up various different things for people and basically being the person who goes to the library for someone else who doesn't have the time or can't be bothered. And I did know a couple of people there who did paparology and things like that so essentially I've given the letter to a friend of mine and asked him to have a look at it particularly the paper that it's on because I thought I could see a watermark on it and it would be fun to find out if that is a clue to where we go with that anyway enough on that let's dive in with the player cards of a phantom of truth you probably all know how this works I know barely anything about this pack so I'm not going to even speculate and as ever these are just my first impressions. It's not meant to be the conclusive, comprehensive discussion of the cards. It's just one very keen Arkham player giving you his impressions. Okay, here we go. Are we sitting comfortably? Comfortably, I'm flipping the pile. Oh, wow, what a start. The card is I'll See You in Hell. And it's got quote marks around it. So Peter will love this because he loves any card that is a has rabbit ears. It's a zero-cost event, two combat icons, so I'm guessing it's some kind of fighty event. Spirit-traited, flavour text, he flicked open the lighter and made his peace. Nice. Each, wow, I just got a sense of the text and had to stop. Each non-elite enemy engaged with you is defeated. Okay, play zero defeat everyone engaged with you. You are defeated and suffer one physical trauma. This action does not provoke attacks of opportunity. <laughs> Silence, because I have no idea how to even begin. 
Uh, let's think this through. You've been swamped by enemies as a group, and you know you're not going to fight your way out, and you want to kind of wipe the board. So the Guardian player, or the person running this, plays Taunt. Every enemy engages the Guardian player, hoping that there are no elites there. And they then play I'll See You in Hell, killing all of them and signing themselves out of the scenario. I suppose if you're a Guardian you were about to take a mental trauma, the people who can run this at the moment, even Jenny could run this, have either eight or nine health. So they don't mind a physical trauma too much, but they all hate getting mental traumas. So maybe you'd prefer to trade this for that. This is like <laughs> this is like the the Guardian I'm out of here, isn't it? It's double icon and it is a way of ending the scenario in some fashion. Wow, cool card. Great start. Like, mind-boggled to begin. The next card is one I've seen already. This was announced. This is the 0.45 automatic level 2. So the 45 automatic is this sort of, I would say, the benchmark weapon. It's why people like Machete, because Machete is slightly better than it. In the core set, it costs 4, you get 4 ammo, plus 1 combat, plus 1 damage. Go all the way back to episode 1. I think it's the very first weapon we talk about, back when we barely knew what we were doing. I mean, I still don't know much what I'm doing, but at least I know a little bit more than then. Okay, so this is level 2. It's gained a combat icon, so it's combat and agility. It's still 4 cost. Item, weapon, firearm traded, takes up a hand slot, uses 4 ammo, action, spend 1 ammo, fight. You get plus 2 combat for this attack. This attack deals 1 damage. Ignore the retaliate keyword for this attack. Now, when I saw this announced, I wasn't that bothered. I thought Guardians who are anyway going to be hitting well shouldn't be too worried about Retaliate. Why is it a problem sort of thing? But the more we've thought about how good Evasion is at turning off keywords, this provides a slightly different option where you're getting that bigger combat boost to hit and one of the risks about just fighting an enemy rather than evading it first to turn off its Retaliate it deals with that as well, built in. So I like this. I think this could this might not be the first upgrade I go for in a dedicated fighting deck, but I like that extra boost. It it means that you could then be, say, in Roland or Zoe, moving away from using the Beat Cop level 2 for its combat boost and just running Brother Xavier or someone else. Oh man, that makes me think we haven't got the Guardian patron yet. Still time for Super Frank. Anyway, I think it's a good card. I think the person who might like this the most is Schizo Tool. That little extra combat boost could be really good. Okay, moving on. Good, strong start. I'll see you in hell was just... Man, I actually had just paused recording because there was a bus. And I had to just text Peter and say, I'll see you in hell! Man, so good. Okay, moving on. The first Seeker card looks amazing. It's called Logical Reasoning. It's a two-cost event, double willpower icons. Hmm, I see a theme. Insight, play only if you have at least one clue. Classic Seeker. Choose an investigator at your location. That investigator either heals to horror or discards a terror card from his or her threat area. I am the wisest man alive, for I know one thing. And that is that I know nothing. Plato, the Republic. I've just been building a Rex deck that's going to be a Charles Ross helping everyone else, big money, support Rex, and also doing his classic clue thing. And one of the things I thought was, damn, I wish there were more in-faction 
options for seeker for healing and you know obviously there's medical texts but there's not any horror healing as far as i could find so i was going to run liquid courage this is interesting two cost to heal two horror it's an event so it's a it's a little bit like the two cost emergency aid to heal two damage in guardian double willpower icon is is pretty nice the clue requirement most seekers don't have a problem with that. There could be some scenarios where it gets turned off and you don't want it to be turned off, uh, like in Essex County Express. But otherwise, that's pretty good. Terror cards, that is a trickier question. How many are there? And the big question is, is Beyond the Veil a terror card? I would guess it's a hex, but I could be wrong. So I thought I'd have to just look it up because I couldn't think of them. And Dissonant Voices and Frozen in Fear are both terror cards. Pay two to get rid of a Frozen in Fear from Skidzo Tool. That's pretty good. This is also probably pretty strong in Roland, right? Nice horror heal, willpower boost, and if he ends up on dealing with uh, a terror card that's in stuck in his threat area, that could be really nice. I think I'll have to go and look at that terror list more before I can say any more, but interesting card. Like, good, flexible, seeker support has just had a big boost. Archaic Glyphs, guys! Wow, the next card! How many are there? Looks like two different ones. <laughs> Amazing. Archaic Glyphs Guiding Stones. It's a two-cost asset with three XP cost, so not like the Strange Solution with four, willpower and intellect icons. It's spell-traded. You can only include this asset in your deck by upgrading it from the untranslated Archaic Glyphs, and only if you've translated the glyphs, glyphs in your campaign log. Uses three charges, which we know that Akachi likes. Action. Spend one charge. Investigate. Okay, investigate on this card. And this is a arcane slotted, by the way. For every two points you succeed by, discover one additional clue at your location. Doesn't give you a boost in itself, but if you're able to boost, if you're Min or Daisy and anyway on ludicrous intellect, you can use this and potentially smash the test and get many clues. Potentially. Really good in multiplayer, I would say. Less strong when you're solo, when there's always the risk that you've spent two to put this down and then you spend a charge and you don't pass by the amount you want to pass by. Wow, if we see a kind of rogue seeker combined character who really wants to gamble on passing by a lot, that could be really cool. Can Rex take Daring Maneuver or is that fortune traded? <sighs> Got to do more work on my traits, guys. I'm getting lax. Okay. Moving on, the second version of Archaic Glyphs translated is Prophecy Foretold. Two cost, three XP, intellect and agility icons. Spell as well, the same text about you have to upgrade translated, untranslated Archaic Glyphs. Three charges again. Action, spend one charge, investigate. If you succeed, you may automatically evade an engaged enemy. This attack does not provoke attacks of opportunity. Wow, that is pretty potent as well, combining those two actions. Talk about the sort of efficiency you get from that. Again, it's just a bald intellect, uh, yeah, intellect test for the investigation. It's not giving you any boost in and of itself. So I'm not wild about either of these for Akachi because she has such a weenie intellect of two. I think they could be nice 
in Daisy with the level one Book of Shadows, she could top these up. This one could be more useful in solo if you're mobbed and you could be using this to investigate so you're still advancing your plan as an investigator but it's also giving you an evade and you're not having to test agility or use mind over matter or something like that. Interesting. I bet there are people online who've already thought of really good ways to use that. So I will go and look at that afterwards. Wow, the art on the first rogue card. What is that? Oh, it's like a woman. There's like blobs and eyes. And then there's a woman throwing what looks like a powder onto it. So either she's like squirting lighter fluid onto it or she's just throwing salt on a slug. Flavor Tech says, aim for the eyes, they told me. And there are a lot of eyes. Two cost event, zero XP, combat and agility icons. So I'm thinking of backstab now. Ooh, yeah, <laughs> it's a cheap start. It's a trick, action, fight. Well, as in, it's, it's a fight action, bold. Add your agility value to your skill value for this attack. If you succeed by two or more, automatically evade the attacked enemy. Wow. Prophecy foretold, investigate and evade. Cheap shot, evade and fight. That is pretty cool. Man, underneath Sephina, what a useful thing. She fights at six, can do a damage and evade the enemy. If she's running pickpocketing or something like that, she gets cards and things out of it. What a wonderful card. So much flexibility. I can imagine Jenny liking this as well. You could use this to deal with weenie enemies. I'm not so sure about that. It also sets up a sneak attack play. If you're doing sneak attacking a three health enemy, you cheap shot them first and then sneak attack them. Man, really nice. Wow, you could you could fight conglomeration of spheres. Thought of it because of the eyes. You could backstab it, use your agility against its fight of one, then cheap shot it, fighting, adding your agility to your fight to do another damage to it. And that would evade it, and it has an evade of four. It's not fun to evade. And then you could sneak attack it. You've killed it. Sweet. That is... What a great card. I can't wait to adapt all that into so many decks. And the next card is the other one I knew about. It's Pickpocketing Level 2. Sweet upgrade. Two agility icons, two XP, two cost, asset, talent, and illicit traded. It's fast, which is such an improvement on the original Pickpocketing, where... Just investing and in getting it down, that action, two resources felt so nasty. With this, you keep it in hand, you wait for when you need to evade, and then you get value out of it Im immediately. So it says reaction, after you evade an enemy, exhaust pickpocketing. The level zero one is just draw one card, and this one is draw one card or gain one resource. If you succeeded by two or more, do both instead. Card and resource for an evade. I think this is... a stellar improvement if you want to go that evade route the need to be reasons for evading rather than just removing enemies through combat so it might be that you evade to then sneak attack or you evade to just move on or whatever it is but you've got to incentivize evasion it can't simply be oh i'm just going to tread water and keep evading and this really fuels that to such a great degree i think it's a really really great card a really good upgrade and I love the thing that I really like about this is that evasion is normally easier for enemies. Normally it's a lower score, and that means the likelihood of succeeding by two or more is somewhat greater than if you were using weapons and you were hoping to succeed by two or more fighting to do extra damage. 
like with Switchblade 2. Yeah, I just think this is a really cool, useful card. I love the fact it can sit in your hand. I don't know why I'm so crazy about it, but I am. I just think it's great. Okay, I feel like we've got good momentum here. Let's carry on. And we're into the Mystic cards. Oh my word. Quantum Flux. Man, we've gone like straight into the sci-fi realm. It's a one-cost event with a wild icon. Hello, water protection. I just read this in, in like just putting my eyes onto the text to prepare to read it to you. I couldn't stop reading it. So brace yourself. Shuffle your discard pile into your deck and draw one card. Remove Quantum Flux from the game. Amazing. What a cool effect. If you haven't had Ward of Protection in hand, so you've failed to block getting beyond the veil in your threat area, you pay one with this in an action and refill your deck from your discard pile. Obviously your weaknesses go back in, but maybe you've got to that point where you've got six cards left and you've not seen a weakness yet. It, it does happen. And you've got beyond the veil out, you don't want that to happen. You pay one, you still get a card for it, which isn't too bad. I mean, a card for an action, you're basically spending one resource for a card. What an interesting card. I love that it has a wild icon as well. So you can have it in your deck, and if the occasion never arises where you really need to shuffle cards back into your deck, you can still commit it for a wild. Sephira might really like this as a as a one-off event that maybe she copies once or just has. I've talked myself out of it in saying that out loud. Yeah, I wouldn't say this is an instant include immediately, but I really like it. If we see a draw-heavy mystic ever, and I'm thinking that if we reach that sweet spot with Agnes where she gets down the heirloom of Hyperborea early and draws, draws, draws as she plays lots of event spells and gets her shrivelings out, if that becomes a thing where mystics get almost quicker than seekers at getting through their deck, this will become really useful. They can handle taking the horror, so it's not it's not the penalty, I think, of finishing their deck that's that's the dreadful thing, but I think controlling how many cards are in your deck could be really useful. As another way of dealing with Beyond the Veil, super useful. And if we see any future effects as well, let's say if there's no cards in your deck, or if you only got 10 or fewer cards, or whatever it is, that could be really good. Even in extracurricular activities, it punishes you depending on the number of cards in your discard pile. You could have gone through 10 cards, good good events, you know, things like that, and then you pay one and just shuffle back up and you've you've reset your deck. Man, an event-heavy deck that's really pushing, it's not building up a board, It's it wants to see all of its deck because it's got so many tricks, this could be great in. Yeah, really cool. If only Mark could take it, right? Oh, the art again! It's like they've it's like they knew it was my birthday next week and they wanted to give me an early birthday present. The next card is Recharge. There's a, like a chalice with swirly light round it. Martin de Diego Sadaba and Andreas Zafiratus for Quantum Flux. Man, they, I hope they're getting paid well. Zero cost event, 2 XP, so Daisy can take it, as can Sephina. Two willpower icons. Recharge, spell, event. Choose a spell or relic asset controlled by an investigator at your location and reveal a random chaos token from the chaos bag. If you reveal a skull, cultist, tablet, elder thing, or tentacle symbol, discard the chosen asset. Otherwise, add three charges to the chosen asset. Wow. Pay zero, add three charges to your shriveling. You could have it sitting under Sephina and do that a couple of times. 
but you run the risk. If your shriveling is not empty and you're just hoping to top it up, you run the risk of losing it. Relics. Do we have any relics with charges yet? Is the grotesque statue a relic? Because that would be insane. You're down to one charge on your grotesque statue and you then chuck this out and just hope to put another three on it and go back up to four. Akachi probably doesn't mind as much because she can do more, but almost anyone else would love that. Yeah, really interesting card. I don't think it's like a first buy XP card for any mystic necessarily, but I think it has a lot of potency. Yeah, cool. With a survivor, and I see a survivor patron. Now, I thought that Peter would be the survivor patron because the super frank for the guardian patron. But this is a unique ally asset. Madame Labranche, mysterious benefactress. Ally traded, ally slot, ally and patron traded rather. Two health, two sanity, two cost asset, zero XP, intellect icon. They all seem to have that. She's got two free triggers. If you have no cards in hand, exhaust her, draw one card. If you have no resources, exhaust her, gain one resource. That is good. That is classic survivor dealing with nothing. The amazing time to use her, I imagine, is if you know that you have amnesia or paranoia as your basic weaknesses, or even indebted, and you're going to go down to zero resources really quickly. For her to be worthwhile, broadly speaking, you want to get at least a, a couple of resources out of her, so they're going to have to be a couple of times where you gain those resources, and that makes me think Dark Horse. If you're running a Dark Horse deck, you're going down to zero regularly, you've planned to be able to go to zero, and if you want to then bump up to two, because you've got to look what I found in hand, or something like that, or another two-cost event that you want to play, you choose to take a resource in upkeep, but before you do that, you tap Madame Lebranche and get a resource as well from her. And so you can you can sort of bounce up to the two point rather than just sticking it at zero or one while you're playing Dark Horse. Okay, interesting. Again, like my, maybe it's that I've done too much exercise today. My mind is addled. I think it's a really cool card. I love the fact that there's the two horror two health soaks so she can actually take a bit of damage on both sides often allies have a one in one of the stats so they can't actually support you on both sides really good card and then as i fan these cards out i see that four of the player cards are weaknesses and so i'm not going to read those out they look like they're story related so i'm going to put them to one side which means i'm sorry to say listener we're up to the last card of the pack it's zoomed by this is snare trap it's a trap and it's improvised. Two cost event with two experience cost as well. And it has willpower and agility icons. Attached to your location. Limit one per location. Forced. After a non-elite en enemy enters attached location, exhaust that enemy, disengage it from all investigators, and attach snare trap to it. When attached enemy would ready, instead discard snare trap so ambush the guardian sort of location related trick was just do two damage this is you draw an enemy say you draw a hunted nightgaunt the nightgaunt enters your location it then exhausts disengages from everyone and gets this attached to it doesn't do anything in the enemy phase because it's exhausted in upkeep it would ready and engage you but it doesn't it just loses the snare trap and stays exhausted 
So it buys you an extra turn while it's pinned down. Wow, the option for hiding spot, snare trap, barricade, shenanigans is growing by the day, isn't it? This could be really useful, particularly for scenarios where you know, oh, if you go into that location, it makes you draw an enemy, things like that. Or or you know that for an action, you have to draw cards from the encounter deck to do X or Y. This just buys you that little bit of breathing room. And yeah, that could be really useful. Quite a situational card. I think that's the, my overall feeling about the pack, is there's a range of powerful, interesting effects that do require you to know what you're doing and have a space for them in your deck. We're reaching that point where it's not simply, oh, this is a new weapon, that's great. It's saying, how does it fit in? Does it fit in at all? I'll See You in Hell was really cool. The automatic, I think, has a place. Logical reasoning, filling out that support role. And then the glyphs, man, I'm going to have to go back and look at them and think about them. Who wants investigate actions that combine other things? I think the invasion one is slightly stronger than the just mega clue one. But I don't I don't play so often with lots of people, so maybe it's a real multiplayer one. Cheap Shot I thought was fantastic. Pickpocketing is great. The Mystic cards were, yeah, bananas. Oh, and interestingly... Everyone has a 0 and a 2 co- two XP card, apart from the Seekers who get those two 3 XP cards. So yeah, good, really good range. I'm really pleased with that as a pack. I'm really looking forward to seeing what other people have thought and, and jumping into the scenario as well. Okay, thank you for listening. As ever, send me your thoughts. I'm Drawn to the Flame on Facebook, Drawn to the Flame on Twitter, and Drawn to the Flame podcast at gmail.com. I always appreciate feedback on these, and I'll put timestamps in as well for the people who want to know when the chat starts. Okay, thanks for listening. Bye.